Alright, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got the NAI boys here today. Trung fan, me, Master Flex himself, Bloomberg opinion writer, and we have Jack Butcher, founder of Visualize Value. Always got the freshest merch on, mate. What's on your head there today? Is that a new one? We picked this up from a little uh, local merchant in Nashville this week, mate. <laughs> oh, an actual man. And you got the merch uh, jumper on as well, mate. Has this yeah, merchant... Is he not leveraging the power of the internet? Did you pitch him on the power of the internet? She, she. actually was in a, in a uh, thrift store, like a thrift convention thing that Celia took me to and uh, haven't pitched yet, but I'm going to go back and pitch. Okay. okay, good, good. Love that. All right. All right. So, boys, we got a lot to talk about this week. Um, so we're going to be talking about the, obviously, the Celsius meltdown that's coming up in a little bit. Is Celsius insolvent or not? We're gonna jump into that a little bit. Um, Jack Dorsey announced Web 5. We're all trying to wrap our heads around Web 3 and he, he took a few steps ahead. So we're gonna break that down. Jack's gonna give us an opinion on how he thinks they could have packaged it slightly differently. And then there's this Google AI stuff as well that Trunk's gonna give us the lowdown on. But first and foremost, mate, we gotta start with a meme of the week over to Trunk. What we got this week, mate? Right, amazing. Here we go. So our uh, our friend Nick Majuli, he was on here a couple episodes ago, uh, the COO of Ritz Ritz Holtz Wealth Management. But uh, you know, Mark is getting <laughs> clapped on Monday, and he tweeted out this incredible statistic. <laughs> Obviously, uh, for the 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 listeners, it's a it's a return chart for the S and P five hundred on days that the McRib is available, the McDonald's McRib, and the days it's not available. So it looks like uh, uh, when the McDonald's McRib is not available, which is the majority of days, uh, 0.0.4 is the average daily return. It's double when the McRib is available. So think what you will about that, but I'll tell you what's hilarious about this uh, tweet. Nick writes, there's only one thing that can save the market now, which is obviously the McRib. But I love how he tagged McDonald's in the photo. Yeah, this is how that is as advanced as most analysis on the internet goes with with investing. So, I think we can say that one is is definitely investment advice there, mate. Um, anything else there, boys? On on the meme of the week before we get over to some special segment that we have for people coming up. Not yet. No, we're good, man. We're uh, so just for the listeners and the viewers, uh, we're going to be hopping into a conversation I had with Turner Novak and Trevor Rainbolt. Uh, Turner Novak's our VC buddy, uh, and Trevor Rainbow is a professional Google Maps player. So you'll Trunk, find out. Can you tell us what the hell? Wait, before people get into that madness, man, because I watched a few of these clips on TikTok. This is the most insane level of content I've ever seen. It's just. It's ridiculous. It's we, like Giga Brain on next level. So, yeah. what could you tee up? What exactly is a Google Maps player? So, there's a game called GeoGuessr, and the thrust of it is. Uh, and if you saw the tweet, you would know is basically uh, Trevor can look at an image for 0.1 second and figure out where in the world it is. And it's because he's trained his brain for this game GeoGuessr. But so as, you, as you hear in our podcast, it is very specific to the game GeoGuessr. Like I tried to show him random images I pulled from the internet. And he's like, it's not the same because uh, we'll, we'll find on the episode, but I'll give a tease for the audiences. Uh, there are certain things like curbs streets and like post signs which are critical and obviously if i'm just taking a picture of somebody's house in vancouver it's not going to have all those things so like there are certain parameters but he explains it. what, what i find super interesting about the conversation 
and uh, we'll, we'll drop it uh, right after this, is uh, the difference between the TikTok and Twitter reactions is hilarious because this content was made for TikTok. It's very yeah. visual. It's very like uh, you rewatch it over and over again to really understand. Yeah, you're looking for the clues. It's like yeah. a game, like you're part of the game. Exactly. It's very TikTok native. Uh, so we talk about that, but then he breaks down like how he got so good at it. And uh, he tells us he's not even like the best in the world or even close to the best. And, uh, but he explains how you can get good. But anyways, I think the listeners will enjoy it. And the reason we wanted to drop it first here is if you saw it, it was super topical in the sense of it completely ripped through the internet. Uh, we were talking, our boy Turner had 40 million impressions on Twitter on it. And the guy's got 600,000 TikTok followers. So, uh, uh, it's a it's a juicy edge of the internet, but as Bilal said in our group chat, a different edge of the internet. Yeah, it's because sometimes I think people think edge of the internet is only degening on uh, NFTs and De- DeFi when there's actually a lot more. Especially nowadays, we need to distract ourselves. So yeah, um, so why don't we go over to that right now? And if you're um, looking for the Celsius Web Five stuff, hang around till after after that uh, conversation with Trunk and it's um, in, an, in an hour or so, we'll see you there as well. Awesome, thanks guys. All right, welcome to the Not Investment Advice Podcast. Uh, this is a little bit different, no Jack Butcher, no Bilal Zaidi right now, but I got two other fine guests and gentlemen. We got Trevor Rainbolt, who you may have seen from such viral videos as Turner Novak's tweet from last week that went absolutely nuclear. So just to set the table, uh, Trevor, uh, who has, by the way, an incredible last name, uh, is a TikTok, uh, uh, I guess, celebrity at this point, with 570,000 followers. Is that right? Just about, yeah. And that's in six months. Yeah, in just over six months, yeah. Okay, and you, and you gained that following by being uh, what is probably known as a Google Maps, professional Google Maps player. Is that, is that broadly right? That's probably right. Yeah, we'll take that. <laughs> okay. And then Turner Novak uh, is uh, the internet's favorite uh, shitposting venture capitalist. And uh, Turner is huge into TikTok, and he has been. He, Turner actually, I think within the tech Twitter community, is known as a guy that's most tapped in the TikTok of one of them. So Turner, can you tell us about, first of all, when you saw this, when was the first time you saw Trevor's video? Uh, what compelled you to bring it over to Twitter? And then it's the most nuclear video you've ever had, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, trying to remember. I honestly don't remember when I first saw the videos, but I was just like, what is this? This is insane. Like, what is this thing? He like looks, he sees a picture and he figures out where in the world it is. Right. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. And it's almost like, um, I kind of think about the evolution that caused me to actually post the video on Twitter. It's like, uh, if you know, like the Jim McMahon mean or whatever, where he's like, it's like that he's like he's like face is like progressively getting more and more surprised as it goes. And like at the end, he's just oh, like, Vince McMahon. Oh. Yeah. Vince McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I guess I was thinking about it. Like the first when you first see it, you're like, oh, cool. He like figures out where he's at in the world with a picture like that's pretty cool. And the next one is like, you know, he's like does it, it's like pixelated. He has like half a second to guess or whatever. I was like, oh, it's cool. It's cool. And then it's like blackfold. And you're like, whoa. And like your mind's like exploding. And then the last one is like finding a location in a music video based on like half a scene with like things moving around in the background. I was like, I remember seeing that. I was like, holy shit, this is like the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, and it's always been one of my favorite accounts on TikTok. And I just, I've been experimenting with this new format on Twitter where I reference something on TikTok and I just say, you know, this thing on TikTok. And I think that is sort of also like gets Twitter going because people on Twitter are like, oh, TikTok, like what's what's this? I got to check this out. So yeah, I just tweeted. I was just like, this is the most insane TikTok account I've ever seen or something. I forget 
what how, what I worded it. You can pull probably pull the tweet. No, it was it was the and, most insane TikTok. Yeah. But what what I actually want to ask Trevor is because Trevor, you've gone viral a million times on TikTok, and before we got on this recording, you had said the reactions on TikTok versus Twitter. Could you explain the reactions you saw and psychoanalyze the audiences? Yeah, definitely. I mean, going viral on TikTok, like it's it's like nothing new. It's like pretty much every video I post over a million views at this point. Um, but I've never tapped into the Twitter like demo, right? And once I did that, I knew like once you hit Twitter, that terms of like virality, that's a completely different you know, demographic completely than what you're getting on on TikTok and you know the, the younger kids where they're like, oh my god, this kid's my this guy's my legend. I look up to this guy. You know, that's mostly comments like, can you find my dad? It's like bros, bro, bros like pillows tells his pillow to be cold. Like that's the TikTok comments, right? It's just like. Chuck Norris esque 2013 comments, right? <laughs> um, and then you go to Twitter, and I had this video that you know Turner posted that went completely viral, and it's like, you know, this guy's eyes are like creepy and like giving stalker vibes, and you know, all this type of different like analyzing my like you know everything I'm doing and saying, and you know it's quite like a completely different reaction. I understand where they're coming from completely, though, honestly, because um, it is you know if you don't have context to what I'm posting on TikTok. It, it is easy to like, I think misconstrued kind of like my intentions. So um, I definitely understand where they're coming from. It's just funny to analyze like Twitter versus TikTok. You, I mean, you don't take it personally, do you? Like, I feel like you must have pretty thick skin from how visible you've already been in kind of the internet world. Yeah. I like, I know my character, so that's, yeah. I don't, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you, it's all edited in a, in a way that it's very good for TikTok but if there's not like, I feel like there's some context when you see it on TikTok. like it's easier to like look at your other videos mm-hmm. versus when you just see it on Twitter, like it's taken out of context. So it's a lot easier to just say, to have that reaction. Like, I think so, <laughs> my favorite was like the, the people, like the women, they were like, oh, I need a man like this or something. Yeah. That, that was a funny reaction too. You got yeah, a lot of those. those. Yeah. Well, actually to, the question I had for you, Turner was, cause you understand these social platforms obviously way better than I do is like, is there something about that? video itself and the type of content that uh, uh trevor's doing that is that's perfect for tiktok because it feels like it's a perfect uh, piece of consumable tiktok content is that about right yeah yeah i think the stuff that does well that does the best in the tiktok algorithm is things that make you rewatch it and i think the editing on it is really crisp and tight so it like makes you watch it again but then also your mind's kind of blown like if you've never seen it before you're kind of like what the heck is this and like i think <laughs> the type of content like the things that make something do well in the TikTok algorithm is like rewatching shares, going to someone's profile, watching other videos and like liking and commenting also. But I think like the, that type of video, just the way it's edited and just the type of content it is just does really well in the algorithm. So I think it's perfect for TikTok, honestly. And, it, and it's a really good, like if it does well on Twitter too, in the sense of like no context, like you can see this thing and be like, yo, this guy is like, this is crazy. He's like identifying, you know, random town in Nigeria just from like a picture. So I feel like overall it's like really entertaining content, but TikTok specifically the way it's like, it's like purpose built for TikTok. So Trevor, did you think about that? Cause I saw you like uh, your original stuff started in like last fall. Right. And then you obviously are a consumer of different social networks. Uh, how much time do you spend cutting one of these videos? And, and do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I like, I, it's actually the easiest thing to do is to edit these because all I do is literally just cut out dead air. Um, so you like, you won't see like a single millisecond where it's like, I'm like breathing, right. Everything I'm doing is like, 
it's either I'm zooming on the map, I'm saying Nigeria, Laos, you know, or it's, it's always con- like constant movement. Like I don't want like a still frame in the video. Um, so like everything, even my intros, you'll notice if you look at like watch my intros, it's like guessing where I am, you know, it's like very, like maybe a little too jumpy, but, um, it's, yeah, I, it doesn't take very long to edit them. Cause I'm literally just cutting out, you know, dead air. Maybe that's why it's so unsettling for the Twitter sphere is like, they're not used to these super insanely tight cut videos. And there's like you said, you're cutting out like every single breath between words, right? Yeah. It's, uh, especially that one, like even like the movement on that one, it was like, I was Kim Burns or like zooming in super fast, zooming out, <laughs> zooming in, zooming left, right. Like just constant movement. So like, yeah, I think things like that, it's, it's definitely very TikTok-y, but, um, well, yeah. could we, uh, could we actually do something here? So I asked, uh, and you re and you retweeted that. So thank you. We did get a couple of, uh, uh, uh images from people on Twitter. So like oh, for the listeners and the viewers here, the thing is this Trevor in his TikToks can identify these images within a split second, like 0.1 second is one of his challenges. So, so this, uh, uh, Twitter user says this one could be tricky for Trevor. So, uh, do can I turn it off now? And could you tell me where this is? Um, this one is tricky for Trevor. Um, yeah. but I think immediately the thing I, I see there, well, it was panned to the, to the left immediately. What I usually go off of is the road. Okay. Um, we did have like architecture there. It felt Asian, I would yes. say. Um, and I think the stilts in front of the house, I usually think of, um, like Indonesian type architecture there. Okay. Um, so I would probably go like Indo or somewhere in Southeast Asia there, but I'm not entirely sure to be honest. Okay. So that was Taiwan. You did depict the region. Dude. Right oh, dude, I was. <laughs> All right. You're close. All right. So we're again, okay. I'm going to give you more because a couple of people said, Oh, there's no way he's going to do this. So I just want you to get one of them. Right. Just to be like, okay. So user UX sec says, oh, this one might be difficult. There's no way he's going to get this one. All right. UX sec. Let's find out how confident you are with this photo. All right. We'll let, we'll let this no one pressure. hang a bit longer. Okay. All right. Dude, these guys are... <laughs> okay, so this is obviously Europe somewhere. Okay. I have nothing to go off, here, uh, off of here, though, at all. Uh, okay. Well, I'd, like to, uh, I'd love to hear you uh, think through it and explain why, like, your thought process. Yeah. So, I mean, just immediately this... The, you know, the foliage and this architecture is very European. Um, it's like very st- like tall building house here. It's, you're not gonna find this anywhere in like the Americas or anything like that. Um, we have a curb right here, the sidewalk. I don't know. Like it's like clipped. You can't even see the curb. Yeah. So I think this, this goes into some interesting points that it brings up though. Right. So the, so oh, well, why don't you throw a guess out there? Uh, I'll go, uh, let's go. I was giving like Easternish vibes. I don't think it's like France or Portugal or anything like that. I'll go, it's not Baltic. I'll go, I'll go like Ro, Romania. I'm not sure. Okay. It's Sweden, but okay. I, I like your thinking. I like nothing here. like Sweden, but I'll right. <laughs> Okay. So could you, so you threw some things out there, but when you see an image, what are the first four or five things you're looking at? Yeah. So immediately, you know, the road is the biggest thing. That's why those are probably more difficult because they were just panned to the left and the right where okay. you're looking strictly at uh, foliage and you know, architecture. Um, so immediately you're looking at road lines, road conditions, road length, um, like how wide it is, the quality of the road. You're looking at, um, you know, there's bollards on the side of the street, there's signage, there's language, there's, um, you know, obviously there's architecture and things like that. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, immediately. And there's also things we can get very into, like, the meta of the game, too. But uh, that's like, what's the meta? Hit the meta. Yeah. So, I mean, Google has, you know, laws or their own, the way they cover different countries. So there'll be things like, um, let's say, like Nigeria, right? What the car, they use different cars in every country. So, like, you know, what car Google drove in Nigeria, which helps more maybe sometimes than actual landscape. So there's very different things where it's like you have to memorize like when they when they took the footage or when they covered the actual country. So you're like, okay, you can base off the image quality of like, okay, well, I know Google didn't take coverage of this country in the last five years. So it's gonna be a Gen 3 camera, which means like 2013. Whoa. So it's like, okay, so I know which country has like was covered in which years and like it, it, all these different things are like calculated when you're making educated guess. Um, so yeah, that's that's a... Uh, that's a meta game. So the, uh, let me uh, let me pull on one more thing on the meta game because you did mention this in an early TikTok. I found it fascinating. You said that you knew the private certain uh, countries have privacy laws that forced the way that uh, Google Maps kind of did the imaging for them, and that actually comes out as a tell in the in the uh, the videos or in GeoGuessr, the game, right? Yeah. So there's like a lot of different privacy. Like main, I think the main ones are the the two main ones are. Um, Japan and Switzerland, which are like, we call the, it's called low cam. Um, so basically you can tell if you're in like Japan versus like, um, or like rural Japan, let's say in the middle of nowhere, because you, you can like tell your, the camera is lower. The Google camera is lower. Uh, let's assume it's Switzerland due to, um, privacy laws. So like when, when the, initially when Japan, um, covered in, or Japan was covered on Google maps or street view, um, they had to make complaints about the, the car being too high and looking over people's fences. So they had to recover the whole country lower uh, for privacy reasons. Same with Switzerland. So like, there's like meta things like that. We're like, okay, I'm feeling low. Like the camera you can tell is low. <laughs> so you're like, I'm going to be in Japan or Switzerland. Or there's like, some countries have follow cars, like police follow cars. So like, you can always see behind you is like in Tunisia, there's like a, a green car that follows you around um, because it's just to make sure the Google street view cars and doing anything sketchy or whatever it may be. Um, so the, there's a different, and then like in Vietnam, right? Like the, in the Vietnam, all, every single street view coverage in Vietnam is by a guy on a bike. Yeah. Um, so. So I lived in Saigon for five years. That is pretty good giveaway on the roads there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Vietnam is a, a really fun country to guess, honestly, mainly because every single storefront has their address on it. So yeah. you can, uh, you can look pretty quickly on where you are. Well, how about this? I'm, I'm gonna I'll throw one more photo, but it's gonna have sidewalks and roads and signage. Okay, no pressure, and, uh, no pressure. <laughs> and then Turner, I think Turner has some questions around your origin story. All right, so, all right, so here we go. Okay, yeah. So immediately here, we have uh, dashed yellow outer lines. Um, we have, yeah. So immediately, this is actually something I most recently learned. Um, so yeah, this is an interesting one. But the dashed yellow outer lines are usually found in ireland and the uh, new zealand but this doesn't look like either of those um i think more recently i saw some of these dashed ye yellow outer lines in uh in portugal um which makes me lean more towards portugal here but it also looks like i can't see that plate number but um sorry the plate color okay, um okay. so portugal has like a yellow uh rights on the right side of their other plates um yeah, I'll go or not Portugal. Was it? It was a. Uh, it was Spain. Um, I think they had the yellow. Either. Yeah, so I would go Spain or Portugal there. Yeah, it's Spain. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so redemption on the third one. That's yeah. fantastic, and uh, you kind of walked through it. But uh, I'm gonna throw the next question over to Turner. 
I know Turner's got a few burning his uh, his wallet here. Yeah, I guess I'm just wondering what was the first time you ever did GeoGuessr? Like, how did you find yeah. out about it? I've like way back. Like, I'm talking like so. I graduated high school in 2017. Um, and so like in 2016, I would say it was like one of those things, like in the back of the class, you're like, I'm <laughs> bored. Like I got nothing to do. I'm just gonna sit here and guess. Uh, and like yeah. back then I was like horrible. Like that's what I, I get that question asked a lot. It's like, is this like something you were born with? I like, I, I never had interest in geography at all. Like I, I generally suck at geography, like before any of this, like I was probably, I couldn't tell you anything about any countries. Um, and so it was just like a hobby in the back of class. I would use the past time, you know, waiting for school to end. Um, and then I kind of like, once I graduated, I kind of let go of it. And then once back in, I want to say 2021, I started again. I was just like a year in lockdown. I'm like, ah, I, I've seen it. it was picking up on the internet again. A couple of YouTubers were playing it and I was like, okay, I'm gonna give this a shot. And I think I have like some of like an like obsessive personality. So like once I started, I was like, okay, I'm, mm, I, yeah. I'm, I got it really study and then here we are so so you took a break like you took a multi-year break from the game yeah i've only been doing this like consistently for like this is my like one year now like last june okay Okay, so you said you graduated high school 2017 so you're probably like i don't even i don't know how old kids graduate like 23 ish like plus or minus one year you've said in the past like i think one of the podcasts i listened to you said the best people this game are like 16 or like 15 so yeah. I feel like almost like you're almost I'm like, like your prime. Like you're gonna have to retire soon. <laughs> I got like five years in me. My tank is yeah. It's a uh, no. Like honestly though, like that's such a like I'm considered old in the community, and that's like <laughs> that's the, amazing. Anyone like you ever see me one v one or like any, anyone I play like, on my TikTok is like 15, 14, 16. Okay. They probably they'll um, probably get pumped when they get featured in one of those videos. Like do you ever shout them out? Yeah, like I'll tag them. Most of them are so modest though that they don't. They just play the game just to you know. Yeah, just to play and just to learn. And, you know, they're much better than I'll ever be candidly. Um, I also think it's like a part of it's like, once you're that young, it's, you retain things a lot quicker. It's easier. It's like learning a language when you're younger is more beneficial than learning it. Oh Right. For sure. Uh, I think it's the same like principle, but um, yeah. And there are still in the back, you can, you know, they're in their Chromebook in the back class guessing away right now. I already know it. Um, (laughs) Is is the best player in that age range or or is there somebody in their mid to uh, early thirties? That's actually the best quote unquote. The best player is 15. Oh, my goodness. Well, this reminds me. Well, yeah, I I played really competitive Halo back in in high school and sort of in college. I mean, straight up. I like suck at video games now, but I was so good when I was like 16. That was like the best that I was probably when I was 17 was like the peak. And I think it's like that in most competitive esports, like competitive games. Like like once you pass 20, you're considered old. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely like, I get memed on a lot for like being older in the community, <laughs> which is like pretty ironic. Right. But um, yeah, it's funny. Well, and you have, I mean, you, you, you mentioned in this previous podcast, I think it's profoundly uh, pointless was the mm-hmm. idea of like, so you, you run these communities. There are a lot of discords, right? You have, you have open discords and uh, how, I mean, how big is this community? And uh, yeah. yeah. So like give, give us a sense of that. Yeah. So there's one like pro discord where it's like, once you reach a certain level, uh, I would say it's like, there's so much basics you can learn in the game, but once you reach that ne- next level, um, there's not like, I say pro player, but there's not like, I'm not getting paid for this. It's just kind of like a, a ironic, funny thing to say once you're really good type thing. Um, but yeah, I would say in the, in like the main discord, it's called Plonkit. It's probably, um, 
I would say less than a thousand, maybe 500 to 750 active users. It is a, it does seem like a pretty niche skill that I think people think it's a, well, here's my question. Is it more applicable than we think it is or less applicable? Because if you read through those Twitter comments, half of them were like, yo, when's the CIA going to hire this guy? <laughs> Dude, those are the funny. I would never like, if the CIA gives me something to work on, I'd be like, I got no idea. Uh, honestly, as long as like, if it's not on Google Street View, like candidly, okay. like, I don't know about the country, <laughs> you know, which is like really sad to say, like there's a couple of instances where it's, that's not the case. Um, but like just candidly, like, um, I, t- I take those compliments as like, you know, sincerely I do. And it means a lot, but I would be a very useless per- like prospect for the CIA. Somebody uh, wrote a uh, tweet, wrote uh, this guy's about to get a max contract from the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, okay. So back to the, it's been a year then. So 12 months you've taken it super seriously. So I kind of want to get into, I need to know the daily routine. I'm obsessed by like peak performance and like how people do it. So how many hours a day are you playing or studying? And could you yeah. separate those two out? Do you actually yeah. have like binders full of images? Because I've seen the GeoHint is the website you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have those like printed out and like just kind of reading them before bed? Yeah. Or, like, what does the training look like? <laughs> That's a great question. I would say you asked me that question a year ago. It was like I was playing. If you, I mean, like on the weekends, it was nine, 10 hours a day every weekend uh, where I have more free time on the weekend. Um, I would sit here and just play games all day, every day, eight, nine hours. And that's where you kind of just pick up the general feel of countries um, of like, you know, the same way I could easily look at images and be like, oh, this is Europe, but I couldn't tell you where. And it's like, okay, this is obviously European. Um, and so, yeah, so like I would say eight, nine hours a day of just like playing in, in the initial like weekend phase, weekday phase, man, I would probably play like, I wake up, I would probably play an hour before work um, just because just keep your mind fresh. And then once, you know, I'm clocked out or whatever. I'm playing the rest of the night, probably three, four hours max. Um, and sometimes that's me um, playing the game. Sometimes it's me watching other streamers play and playing in their tr- chat. And, you know, there's this thing called assisted streaks where you try and see how many countries you can get in a row um, as like a, as a team together on Twitch. Um, so it's like maybe me playing as being in those chat rooms or um, yeah. And then as far as like actually studying um, a lot more, you know, I'll, there's like flashcards, you know, different communities have, I'll read and just like study up on different th- roads and like things like that. Um, so these like rules, like Portugal and Ireland have the dashed yellow lines and like Spain has like the red circle sign stuff like that. Yeah. There's, um, there's like different like infographics or I'm not sure what the word is or where it's like, it's like what color chevrons are in every country. So it's like, Oh, the black, and white chevrons, Italy, Greece, uh, Switzerland. And it's just like visualizing those is helpful to where it's like color coded as their colors. Um, and then there's also just flashcards. It's like, Oh, you know, the, the A3 in North Macedonia has triple yellow road lines or things like that. Um, or you're just kind of like, you know, remembering those type things. Um, and then there's also, you can get down to the nitty gritty of like, like the thing I'm working on right now is Australia and Germany. So it's like, every German city has different street signs. Um, oh, so like wow. trying to remember the, the design of every street sign in Germany, um, or that's just basically just memorizing uh, street signs and what they look like um, in like versus, in Hamburg versus like, you know, Berlin. Yeah. So it's kind of reminds me of like high school where there's like each country is like a different class and you have to rem- memorize all the random rules for like chemistry, social studies, like algebra. You just like memorize stuff basically. Right. And then you're like applying them when you look at the map. Yeah. 
Exactly. Huh. Well, here's the here's the website that you mentioned. I loved it. Geo Geo Hints. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just collections of utility polls. So for the listeners, this is a website called geohints.com. Yeah, which Trevor recommends for people that want to get in, involved. And I was like, who put this together? Like, who is collecting all these utility pool images? It's honestly the whole community comes together and okay. ca- kind of just aggregates them together. Um, yeah, that's like, that site's great for like learning. Um, you know, you could go utility polls, you could go bollards, sign polls, back of signs. You learn everything. Um, so it's fun. <laughs> There are some, uh, you have mentioned past, there are some uh, very specific things to each country. What are kind of like your favorites that come up to the country? Yeah, I think my favorite and most practical thing that I wish was more common or even common in the U.S. is, I mentioned this in one of my TikToks before, but Hokkaido, Japan, North Japan Island has these, um, like these pointers, these arrows that point down to the road lines. So when it snows, you can see where the side of the road line is. Um, and those are only found in high dense snow areas in Japan, mainly Hokkaido. Um, so like you, you don't swerve off the side of the road. Like that's something like, right. Like it's very practical, very yeah. practical. Like Canada should have those probably somewhere. Um, and so like, yeah, so like things like that, it's like, okay, if you see those point in those arrows, you're going to be in Hokkaido, Japan, more than likely, hmm. um, s- some different regions of different countries have different guardrails. Learning your guardrails is a big part of countries too. It's like a type versus B type. Um, and then there's, yeah, so that's one, um, there's a, there's like a, a lot of different state specific ones, um, like, um, back in back of Oklahoma stop signs, there's different signage in like South Carolina. Um, but a lot of the time it comes down to like license plates, like Vermont screen plates or, um, different things, wide lines, like Arkansas, Mississippi, Oregon, Washington have like wider road lines. Um, so it's like very, um, those are probably some of the ones off the top, off the top of my head, but it gets pretty, yeah, pretty it's specific. Pretty yeah. Turner, do you have uh, questions around uh, the type of country types that he liked? Uh, yeah, I guess. Are there any countries that are just really hard? I feel like you did say this on another podcast, but any that are so hard and then any that are just like really easy, like it's, you get it every time. Yeah. I, I, I've answered this question so many times and I always have a different answer. Because I, it's it's actually I have like, heard it. I've heard and read different answers. Yeah, I'm just like I don't know the answer. I, I, every time I say it, I'll go back to my community and be like, guys, I think I messed up this answer. I'm like, I really wish I said this and said like I said Russia was the easiest. I was like so embarrassed. I'm like Russia's not the easiest. Um, and so I thought I thought about this. I've given it some thought. I think the easiest is Netherlands. Okay. Um, oh wow, why is that? It's just the most distinct, flat. And obviously, or not obviously, but the license plates, the only country that uses yellow license plates on the front and the back of their other plates. Hmm. Um, so it's like super distinct. If you see yellow license plates front back, you're going to be in the Netherlands. It's uh, probably one of the first things I learned on GeoGuessr. Um, and plus with the architecture, it's super distinct. Um, and you can just guess anywhere in Netherlands and get a high score because it's so small. Oh yeah, uh, that's true. So like that's an, you get those when you're speed running high scores, you're like, yes. Um, I would say on the, on the harder side, um, Indonesia. Like, so there's there's ways like identifying like what like where you are in the country versus like what country you're in. Um, so like, maybe Indonesia is really easy to identify. Well, maybe not since I thought it was Taiwan earlier, but uh, <laughs> the um, Indonesia has so many different islands and different. It's so big, right? It's massive um, that it's kind of hard to tell where you are within the country. It's super hard to learn that something I'm, I'm working on. Russia is the same way. It's like, am I, you know, in Eastern Russia, like 
near Mongolia or am I, you know, near, you know, Lithuania? Um, cause a lot of times it looks similar, especially cause they use the same road lines and everything. It's kind of, mm. it's hard. Uh, I think you said similar about us too. similar thing where it's like, it's just so big yeah, and it kind of all looks the same. Yeah. And yeah, I have this like ongoing joke that Canada is like my downfall right now. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not even a hard country. It's just, I suck at Canada. It's like my, uh, it's like my Achilles heel. I don't know why I'm so bad at it. It's like this ongoing joke. Um, it's like a oh, new feet, not again. New feet. Uh, yeah. The new feet one kills me. Yeah. It's, yeah. It sucks. Cause like you, you guess like Manitoba or somewhere in the middle of Canada and Newfoundland's like a oh, thousand, 5,000 miles yeah. way out, like kills your score. Yeah. It's, 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 it's jokes. Um, yeah. So Canada is like, kind of like my, I, I probably should spend time learning Canada right now. And there's like an ongoing joke, Mike, but like part of it's like, I don't want to learn Canada. It's kind of a fun joke that keep it uh, going. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I suck at Canada. That's my, that's my niche. Maybe we'll rub off on you. We're both Canadian. I think we mentioned that. So yeah. maybe this, yeah. this will help just this, <laughs> this, is, yeah, this, this talk. Is my... This will catalyze it. Um, I had a couple more quick ones. Uh, so the other one I wanted to ask was, the well, Turner asked about the difficult countries. Oh, the gaming. So, then you mentioned that there's not the monetization opportunities right now because we're not giving up yet are not yeah. great right now because <laughs> there's a lot of cheating. So, people that haven't had the chance, a lot of listeners haven't had a chance to look at a GeoGuessr. So, it's all done remotely, I guess, now obviously with the pandemic. But couldn't you create like tournaments where everyone's in the same room where you could take the cheating away? Like, is this in the cards? Have you talked about this? Um, I wish that was the case. It's just so like, it's something like I've always wanted to do is like get everyone like on a land network, right? And just like game out. Uh, but the, the community is so widespread. Uh, like, yeah. There's like, so like, I could probably name five people in the U S that are like pro players. Right. Like it's very like, plus they're all like 16 and like, yeah, got school yeah. And stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah like, exactly. Hey, mom, I want to go to this tournament. <laughs> yeah. but it's like a bunch of like other, I guess it's like other kids. So maybe that's okay. Yeah. But it's like, I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, I look at the Fortnite World Cup, and it's you know maybe it's, it's probably similar, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, the community is so wide. I mean, you, everything from you know Serbia to India to the U.S. to you know Singapore. Well, I'm gonna put Turner on the spot here because Turner's an investor by day, uh, TikTok viewer <laughs> by night. Turner, how would we turn geo guessing into a lucrative business? What are, like you're looking at one of the most viral, popular TikTok channels in the last six months? What are we doing here? Just yeah. total hypothetically. Uh, maybe a couple weeks ago when crypto was cool, when Web3 was cool, we'd, we'd do NFTs of, 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 the, of the players or something. Um, I don't know. I wonder if you could do like just a subscription, like a like a gated subscription type thing or something, or I don't know, like a streaming platform dedicated to it. I, don't I feel like the issue is like such a small market. Like I, I, you have to figure out how to make this like really sexy and just like, like really hype it up to get a lot of people in like the, the spelling bee, right? Like the spelling bee is like on ESPN. Like how do yeah, we no, get but it's this? like a, it's like a once a year thing though. It's like, how do you get GeoGuessr? How would you get GeoGuessr doing a hundred million dollars a year in revenue? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a tricky question. Like yeah, dude, yeah. The, the first step would be probably making viral TikToks that get people interested in it as a whole and realize it's a thing. And then like start to increase awareness and adoption. I don't know separate subscription type thing could be interesting i don't know nfts whatever crypto stuff there's probably like an opportunity i don't know i don't really do i don't i'm not very good at that stuff i don't do well turner you brought up a great point though is that trevor have you noticed more people joining the communities and being involved since you kind of went crazy 
It's amazing. Yeah. So like one, having a following, I kind of underestimated Twitter as a whole. Having a following on Twitter, thank you, Turner. I gained like 15,000 followers in 24 hours. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, you were like 100, 100 people or 200 I was, people. Yeah, it was just like me and like a couple of homies from my Discord just like <laughs> posting like absolute nonsense on there. Just like, and then I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'll take this. Um, I was like, oh my God, a thousand. And the next, yeah, anyways, it's there's a couple of like, yes. One, I love getting like, I love seeing people outside of like the TikTok audience engage with this. So like even seeing people like, you know, the crypto community, the NFT community, like having like these, like, honestly, like high intellect people that are like engaged with their content and like think that of me and like, are, like it's, it's, a, it's, I don't want to say it means more. It means a lot that like, uh, I can reach people outside and it's as universal as I presumed it was originally. Um, so yeah, I, I love like having this different community of type of people that are also engaging with the content now, um, just because it's so different than what I'm used to. I think we can get Elon to reply to one of your videos. You did a Mars one, right? I did Mars one, yeah. Yeah, I think we need to make that blow up because I don't know if you saw, but I, I mentioned this to Turner yesterday, but I don't know if you went through the quote retweets on uh, that viral tweet that uh, Turner did. By the way, for the listeners and viewers, Turner got 38 million, probably 40 million impressions on that now. Yeah, it was 40 million impressions on that tweet. It's absolutely it's like, bonkers. It's like half the Twitter user base. Who knows how yeah. big it is? Because like Elon's all like, oh, it's all bots. <laughs> but probably like half of them are real people. No, I think, well, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Trevor, but the head of Tesla AI retweeted the video with a comment. Did you see this? Oh, I saw that, but I didn't realize who that was. I yeah, guess. so he's the he's this guy is this guy runs Tesla's AI, what and he yeah, how crazy is that? And he's based so for the uh, listeners, I'll read it out. But basically, the head of Tesla AI is like, oh, I, I just found out that there's professional Google Maps players. I wonder if we could train like a machine learning algorithm <laughs> to do the same thing. So like, I, I think oh uh, well, I'll, I'll ask Turner because Turner understands both communities more. It's like. Obviously, TikTok, massive user base, a billion users, way more than Twitter. But to Trevor's point, there's just a totally different class of influential users on Twitter, right? Yeah, I think Twitter is more of like the intellectual class, probably skews a little bit older. Um, yeah. Like pro professional desk workers, like white collar knowledge worker, the, like the laptop class, yeah. um, like, like, <laughs> like journalists and things like that. Um, there's like the people that like will make fun of TikTok. Meanwhile, TikTok is like the most influential like internet platform like ever in existence, like more than Facebook. So it's totally different audiences that probably like don't really like connect with each other. Yeah. But it's interesting that the content works on both. Like that's the crazy part. Trevor, have you had any, uh, I mean, feel free to divulge, but have you had interesting conversations from TikTok or Twitter from like fairly like, hyped up people because I've, um, I've seen publicly when you do the music video for one of the uh, artists they responded to you directly right yeah um so like usually every time i'll like find a music video i'll we'll reach out to like the actual artist be like hey we're doing this like you're gonna oh, love that's it smart oh um so that's what we do with like kygo and kygo supported it kygo the person that was featured on kygo's song supported it um so i'm making that's sure you cool. know once we're once we do these it's like you know i did one with like jeremy zucker where i found um it's like an, an artist where i yeah, it's good. It's like, it's great publicity. Honestly, it's like one, it's like very organic. Um, and it's like very easy to interact with. And it's just viral content, um, to get eyes on people's yeah uh, music. So yeah, I'll reach out to all the, you know, Oh, you do. You ask first, like, uh, like just to, uh, that's very thoughtful, right? You don't want well, to be able to ask. Yeah. Be like, Hey, um, maybe ask isn't, 
I'd be okay. like, hey, I, I'm doing this. <laughs> if you want to support it, that'd be great type yeah, thing. Yeah, uh, if not. Yeah. yeah, but like, obviously, like, I also do like research to like make sure I'm not like, like there's been music videos where it's like in their hometown or something. I'm like, okay. I'm not trying to like dox this person's house, right? So mm. I'll be very, you know, cautious on like making sure this isn't like go back to them or, you know, um, cause that is like a, I don't want to, I don't want to do that obviously. So. Well, one, um, well, Turner actually sent me this question yesterday, so I'll just ask it. I'll just steal it from him. But Mike, I was going to ask you uh, a question regarding the most quote liked quote retweet, which basically said that you were showing people how to become a stalker, right? Which is kind of mm-hmm. whatever. I know that you saw that too, probably. But the the, the, the broader question, which is uh, another one that was very popular, was uh, people, what do you feel, and this is just common, not specifically about your video, but in general, of oversharing on social. It's like, it's stuff like this is like, listen, people can get found, right? Like, like what would be your response to that? And just maybe general uh, uh, recommendation for the community and the world. Yeah. I think my first response is like one, I, I'm actually glad, I'm actually really glad that this side of Twitter had like opened my eyes to this type to where maybe normally I, I never had really thought about in that way. Um, so like, I'm honestly like glad that they opened my eyes towards that. Like this is, people probably do this with bad intent. I don't do it with bad intent. I do this just because it's, it's something I enjoy doing. And I have a passion for geography, um, but that doesn't mean someone else will. Um, so like one, I'm glad that I actually have this new, like, obviously I was always super ca- careful around like what I'm doing and I was pretty cautious and, you know, cognitive of like posting streets and like someone. Um, but yeah, so that, and then as far as like oversharing on Twitter, um, or oversharing in general on social. I mean, it's actually, you can get a lot of information like very, from a, very little things. Um, I'm a human, right? There's probably AI and there's probably so many different, th- I mean, Google Lens now, you can use Google Lens and you can probably, it can scan something and identify what that is a lot easier than I can. Um, so there's different types of like, you gotta be really careful. I know like, I actually did a lot of research and like people with different people are saying like not posting where you are like in the same time and, and things like that. And I'm all, I'm all for that, honestly. Um, like I don't post on social media, like myself, I, I want, I don't leave the house. I sit here and look at Google maps all day, but like, <laughs> um, if I was to leave the house and post something, I would probably not, you know, hypothetically, hypothetically, if I was to touch grass, <laughs> I would touch grass, post myself touching grass after I did it. So, um, no, I I'm all for like that kind of awareness, honestly. And I think my video, I know there are some people saying that, um, I'm like teaching people how to stalk or do different things like that. And maybe, maybe, but I think at the same time, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate, I guess. But um, I think it did bring awareness to like how easy it is. And, you know, you should be safe on the internet um, because it is a scary spot. And there is people out there with bad intent, even though I'm not doing that. Like there is people that, that will. So be careful. For the record, I'm a hundred percent on board. Like when I saw those comments, like, bro, come on, man. Are you kidding me? Like, you're just like, this is all publicly available information. You're making it clear to people that like, you have no idea. It's like when you're posting pictures with your kids and your family, like uh, my instinct is like, just don't overshare. I don't, I don't post anything. I mean, Turner's got two kids. I know every now and then we'll post stuff about our family. I very rarely do it on Twitter. Like my wife has an Instagram account that's locked and like, the world's a scary place, man. I think you brought a lot more attention to that. Yeah. Yeah, That that was actually, go go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, I didn't realize, like, the most, 
quote tweeted, like liked quote tweeted response. It had like 157,000 yeah. likes, which was like almost as much as my original tweet <laughs> yeah. was talking about. That. I was like, Hulk, because like, I, I muted the tweet like pretty quickly. <laughs> I muted it because I was, my phone was blowing up. I was getting, it was getting quote tweeted at least once a second. Yeah. So I, I had to, I had to mute it. So I didn't really watch. And Trung like mentioned, like I started paying attention to when you started talking to me about it. I was like, holy cow. This is like a, this became a pretty big deal. Um, but yeah, like that was like the biggest response was like that one tweet that was like calling that out. It was, that was really surprising to me too, that it was like, it's true. It's a really good point. Yeah. This was like, this tweet was also like the catalyst for like 20 people that I haven't spoken to in like, t- like five years. And they're like, yo, are you Gio Rainbow? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And they're like, and they're like, and then they would send me the quote retweet of the one that went viral. I'm like, this is their introduction to me. Again, is this quote retweet. <laughs> but not even Turner. That's like Turner said, it's almost as popular as Turner's original. Yeah. Video. No one sent me the direct tweet to Turner's tweet. It was always that quote retweet. <laughs> Oh I'm, so, I'm like, oh my god! Like, I promise I'm normal. Well, I feel, I feel like that specific chain of events, like mine, was probably like it started with like tech Twitter and like like finance Twitter, and it probably escaped more broadly to like I don't know, like meme viral video Twitter. Yeah. But then that quote tweet probably brought it to like I don't know, like honestly, a, it's like, like political justice. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Like, justice like, political Twitter. Yeah. So that like that that piece of content. <laughs> like just hit the whole internet over the weekend. It was it was truly insane, man. Is like yeah. the numbers on that. Well, uh, let, let's bring it on a slightly happier note. And uh, for the record, I agree with you, man. It's like it's pretty clear there's no negative intent here. And and uh, listen, I don't think anybody went out and actually learned, right? Let's not pretend like somebody went out and went to Geo Hints and like looked at 30 hours of footage, right? I love these quotes, like oh, somebody could go learn. It's like, bro, no one is going out and learning. And if they did, they probably already knew about it. But uh, this is actually another Turner question, so I'm stealing all of them. Uh, Turner asked, what are some of the funniest uh, uh, responses you've got on TikTok? Or what, which ones come to mind where like you legit like just laughed when you read it? Because I looked at a couple. I got a lot of here. Yeah, I mean, and stitches. I mean, you look at any top. I could literally make it like a, a Google Sheet doc right now of like how to get a top comment on a Geo TikTok video with the same 10 comments. Uh, can you find my dad? Bro turns his pillow cold. Uh, no, yeah. he memorized yeah. sand. He memorized dirt. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah. So many different things like, bro saw dirt and said Senegal. Bro saw X and saw X. You literally the biggest template ever. It's like, yeah, it's, and yeah, those are amazing. Um, the, I laugh every time. Yeah, yeah the, the comments, I actually think this is a really important note on TikTok is the comments sometimes are what makes a video go viral. Oh um, yeah. Or the community behind the comments is what like, cause once you like see a comment, I always like those comments too, to boost it to the top <laughs> to where then people are more incentivized to like actually make those type of comments. Yeah. Um, so like that's all thought out. Um, but yeah, I, I think playing in like, I'm not going to try here and take my, take myself seriously. Like that would be really lame. Like I yeah. literally have a passion for Google maps. I understand that this is nerdy. <laughs> um, and so like, I, you have to accept it and you have to play into the end of the nerd factor. You have to take these comments lightheartedly and it's like, it's all fun. Right. Um, yeah. So there's the comments. Those are my favorite. I, I love the cheating comments too. I get called a cheater a lot. Like maybe like, um, I don't blame them either. I guess um, if they want to call me a cheater, they can watch this beginning of this intro and uh, it's not. Um, but yeah, it's, I get comments are like, I have one where I was doing 0.1 second and I would look down to like visualize the image uh 
And people thought I had like a tablet beneath me. It was like reading me answers. And so like, I had like a hundred comments. People were just like, Bruce is reading his tablet. Um, so those are funny, <laughs> but yeah, it's all fun and games. Uh, so I have a question in terms of, so you've kind of gotten a progression where initially it was like identifying locations, doing in one second, one V one-ing, 0.1 seconds, pixelated in 0.1 seconds. Like, yeah. and then you're like finding locations in music videos. Like what comes next? Like there's probably other crazy things you can do. Like, how do you think about, cause you gotta like keep it going in a way you gotta like keep caught up with crazy stuff. Like, what should we expect? Yeah, definitely. So one, I'm always trying to like, there's so much to learn. Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll only get better if I keep playing. Um, so I'll continue doing like the 0.1 second challenges and instead of like 0.1 seconds will be 0, 0.1 seconds, but, 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 mm. you know, so it's like continuing those is like, but upside down and blindfolded and pixelated. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, so I'll continue doing those and push the boundaries there. Um, I think as you mentioned, I'm trying to diversify my content, right? Okay. Um, so like, that's why it's like, I'll never post like two back-to-back one V ones or like, I'll do it one challenge a week. I'll diversify it with like these music videos where it hits more, more culturally appropriate stuff. And like hits different regions of different, even the meme video, the capybara video, that was a different bucket for me because usually I, I had only done music videos. Wait, that, then, was a, oh, that was a meme. <laughs> oh, dude. Okay. Yeah, it was Sorry. like a random, it was just like a random meme <laughs> that was going that. viral on TikTok. It was just capybara in the front seat of a car. I'm like, that'd be really funny if I found where this capybara was. Um, cause it was just like so viral. Um, so yeah. And then I want to, there, I have like a bunch of different like ideas around like one, I want to travel. Like I'm doing this thing where I, once a month I'm randomly locating a, playing a map on you guys and going to that location. Um, so maybe making more oh, travel nice. type videos around that. Um, going to like Colorado on a random 200 population town next or this weekend, because I just saw it on Google street view or on a game I played. I was like, okay, okay I'm going to go one location. Can I, can I pitch an idea? This is like Mr. B status. You would need like a lot of financial resources to do this, but like you get kidnapped and they like take the blindfold off and you have to guess where you are and you do Yo! it different times. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Like, that's that's a haunted. great idea. Yeah. Like Mr. B side. <laughs> Mr. B should, yeah. this sounds like the next Mr. B spell. Mr. B did something. Has Mr. B been kidnapped? They should kidnap know. Trevor. I'm down to be kidnapped. Honestly, if you see me on the streets, just. We can make some well, content. Well, Trevor, the other one, the other thing that I, I mentioned to Turner, but like Airbnb and you, it's just a match made in heaven, man. This is like, I don't know anybody Airbnb that is in a senior position and Turner might. Turner is much more well-connected than I am. But uh, I, I'm i just throwing it out there. We might have to speak this into the existence. I'm I'm open for anything. And there's so many different opportunities. It's so, um, it's so universal. Um, so yeah, it's, and plus travel, it's it's fun. Yeah, it's there's so many different opportunities with it. Has somebody thrown anything out, uh, officially that you could that you speak about, or just want to keep that on the hush until it's? Um, I'll keep it on the hush. Okay, okay, I'll keep okay. on the hush. You're gonna come back. You're gonna come back on the pod. But uh, okay, a couple more. Uh, I appreciate both of you guys for the time here. And Turner's got family life and stuff to do. I'm sure that uh, Trevor, you want to get back to geo guessing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so my first comment was uh. The other popular one that I saw that I had here was uh, "Bro knows Victoria's Secret." That's yeah. a popular comment. <laughs> bro knows Victoria's Secret. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and bro drove the Google car. That one kills me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, the uh, the the last kind of questions I had. Oh, this was the question I had was um. So you mentioned a lot of the geography side, and uh, and you're learning a lot about the countries. Have you moved into learning about the histories of the country? Because I'm a history buff, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, 
for example, I know three of the top places you want to visit. You mentioned was Laos, Singapore, and Iceland. So Singapore has a crazy history, right? Yeah. Have you started diving into the histories of countries? I, I more recently than than I have before. Um, yeah. I like as I'm guessing now, I'll just have like random like documentaries playing. I'm like <laughs> tabbed just because it's like kind of autopilot. You know, you're just like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so where I'll just have like um, different. Yeah, I'm learning. I, this is something I've never been good at. Uh, like history, like I've never. I, I want to be more educated on honestly. Uh, yeah. So I actually candidly don't know very much about besides, you know, basic high school history um, from an Arkansas education. I, I don't know if I, uh, I know as much as I want to. So I'm, I'm continuing to try to educate myself. You're young, man. You're young and yeah. uh, you're going to be able to do a ton of reading. Um, I guess uh, then, wait, uh, Turner, did you have a last question? Last question. Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Just ask you, have that, you have that one. You're like, I think early TikTok, like all the early comments are always like, you don't do anything on a Friday night is basically what they, what they say. Have, yeah. So my question, have you ever done this? Like as like a party trick or like, as like a date, like type yeah. of thing? <laughs> yeah. Or no. a, so one, not like unprompted. I'll be like, Hey, you want to see me guess Lithuania in 0.1 <laughs> seconds? Yeah. Look at this. Uh <laughs> No, I, I get right, like recognized sometimes in public and people like fact check me uh, and be like, hey, like, I'm, uh, you know, where is this type thing? Um, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, have, have I brought it up in conversation? Yes. Um, but it on been, your like, Tinder it's, profile. It's, yeah, it's like, I have like on my profile somewhere, it's like, I get out on geography, I think is yeah. what like my, it's like oh, a hinge nice. prompt or something. So it's like a, it is it's a conversation starter if they ever want to get there but uh it's it's quite the that, bold man. thing it's quite the bold thing to start with i think uh i can yeah. identify anywhere in the world in one second that's yeah, a pretty that's a good send character. me send me another photo where you are right now i'll <laughs> tell you that it is. has anybody ever commented uh, I mentioned at the beginning that you have like the perfect name for this sport of geoguessing like rain bolt it's yeah. incredible yeah, I think no one knows. That's my last name. Um, I don't think I've ever said that like publicly. Uh, but yeah, Rainbow's my last name. I've used it. You know, it's a great, incredible, great work tag. by your parents, man. Great yeah. last name. <laughs> yeah, shout out to them. Uh, <laughs> All right, so no more questions for me. Uh, but me and Turner did put together a couple of last uh, images. Uh, they're of McDonald's around the world. So <laughs> I'll give my best shot. Let's do it. All right, can you identify the following? McDonald's. Can you geo-guess them, Mr. Rainbow? Here Let's we see. go. All right, here's one. Okay. Oh, here's bro. So this is what we like to call, you know, unofficial street view uh, yeah. coverage. So it's it's a different type of game, definitely. Um, when it comes to, uh, you know, you don't have things like the car and like what what is covered what. I mean, this is pretty standard. I feel like this white sign right here on this building. Um, Reminds me of like Spain or something like that. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure to be honest. Cause you need the, I mean, it, it sounds like the roads and sidewalks and signage are huge. That's yeah. It's, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's Google street view is like usually the, yeah. The expertise more than anything. All right. I got two more here. I got some streets and curbs for you, man. Wait, Trong, right. which, where, where was that one? Uh, Budapest, Hungary. This is actually is the last one. 
Oh, this is somewhere in the U.S. Okay, okay. Probably Arizona or something. Uh, Yeah, yeah, there you go. Four times a charm. You nailed it. It's Arizona. What was the giveaway for that one? Um, It looks like a capybara had most recently been there. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't know. It's just vibes, I guess. The deserty vibes. And the telephone pole in the back helps. All right, this is not. This is actually the official last one, not McDonald's, but this is. Uh, can you tell us where this is? <laughs> um, yeah, this is um, next to the crater of. Um, yeah, no, this is where me and Elon are gonna be. Yeah, that's a uh, Tatooine <laughs> from Star Wars. So they filmed that actually in uh, Tunisia. But oh, uh, really, that's funny. I love that. I love that. Uh, I, I get it now. You knew there's certain things that. That have to be like uh, game legal, right? Like the street, the curbs, and the signage. Otherwise, you're just playing random pictures on my desktop. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely different. Like I'll get DMs all the time where it's like, "Where am I?" It's like some random photo. It could literally be anywhere in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm more than happy to like pull up my my street or like play a couple games on stream real quick because I can hook it up to my. Webcam. Yeah, let's go. Let's do. Yeah, let's, let's do, do it, this, man. Let's get. Yeah. Re- uh, I don't want I don't want you feeling like you you got hosed here by coming on this show where we're no like, dude it's all like that's part of it you know no let's pull it up um, so this is the main map of plate I get asked a lot do you just memorize every location the answer is no that would be a lot harder than actually doing it there's as you can see there's fifty thousand plus locations here um, so yeah we'll play just standard game here and i'll walk through it so immediately here we're going to be somewhere in like eastern europe i immediately want to go we have winter coverage and then we turn to gen 4 coverage which means we're going to be in bulgaria um so yep next round we're going to be in france (laughs) what just happened uh look at the picture i think it's your picture (laughs) this should be italy um we have black on the back of the sign we have uh, black white chevrons um yeah, it's still pretty. And if we look at the car here, we'll have a short blue front plate. It means Italy. I, this is such a different. I mean, it really does. The streets matter so much, right? Yeah. So this is South Africa, maybe Lesotho, Eswatini. This mountain feels more Lesotho to me. So we'll go Lesotho. I'm not entirely sure. Come on. It was Lesotho. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this is Canada. <laughs> okay. This is the age old question Can I nail Canada here? Uh, Wait, how do you know it's Canada? Uh, road conditions and we have a single yellow road line in the middle here road conditions those <laughs> shitty canadian roads yeah yeah exactly actually um, hold on. my my family actually has a, like a like a beach cottage up around lake winnipeg in in manitoba zoom in on that that brown sign it looks kind of like the sign actually that we use or that we had we're next to to peachland lake peachland oh lake. there you're right it's bc oh bc it actually says in the sign yeah we ruined it oh there well. you go this well, there is you go. My, my saving grace does, does yeah. that count? Like, does that count? Like, can you zoom in and actually read the sign yeah. and like the city? Well, oh, got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so usually I'll play a game where it's, yeah, it's all, it's all fair. Obviously if you, you don't Google it. So this is yeah. going to be Malaysia, I believe. Um, it could be Borneo Island, Malay, which is this island right here. That'd be a poggers guess. Um, but yeah, I'll just go Borneo Island, Malay here. It was Borneo Island, Malaysia. So we had the double white road lines. Um, this is going to be Malay again, more than likely. Um, but this is an interesting, interesting thing about this is that we're driving right. Wait, see, this is very interesting. Amazing. Um, I actually don't know where this is. I would probably go Malay or Indo. Um, and then I look at the telephone poles and mainland Malay has like a black sticker on their pole. Um, but I think these pole tops are more Indonesian. Um, so I'll go, I'll go like East Indo or something. I'm not entirely sure where this is. Could be Malay. 
it was uh, Sulawesi in Indonesia. So yeah, I'll play one more game here. This is the U.S. Uh, probably northeast somewhere. I, man, I cannot just how fast you're just. It was, no, it's the U.S. It's the U.S. It was, hey, the U.S. is the U.S. You know, we we count. Bro, bro saw dirt. Said bro it's saw, the U.S. <laughs> bro saw dirt. This should be like over here in Thailand somewhere where like the soil gets red. Uh, it could be Cambodia, but yeah. And then yeah, this should be it looks like Mexico. Oh, so fast, man. Yeah. So you can see there's a there's a big discrepancy between like looking at McDonald's uh, that's like unofficial, yeah, uh, versus like what I've like you know different things like that. But yeah. Well, uh, guys, thank you so much. That was incredible. Uh, uh, redemption. Uh, I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, I, I can sleep at night tonight. Yeah. No, I didn't embarrass myself. <laughs> in front of. But uh, so um, Trevor, where's the best place to find you? Um, well. More recently, you can find me on Twitter at GeoRainbow, uh, TikTok at GeoRainbow, uh, Instagram at GeoRainbow across the board. Maybe more YouTube long form content. That's a goal here soon. Um, that's just Rainbow on YouTube. Um, oh, uh, like more teaching? Yeah, like just walking through, like even just like things like that. Just like, oh, you know, I'm in Malaysia because of this poll or, you know, different yeah. long form things like that to, you know, educate the mass. Yeah. And, uh, and people here probably know Turner from his tweet. So that's at Turner Novak. Uh, is that that's uh, CK uh, Turner? I know. Uh, just a K T U R N E R N O V A K. Okay. Twitter and TikTok. I'm not as a big deal on either, really, honestly. <laughs> I'm like the, the the side, maybe like the second most interesting. Actually, honestly, probably the third most interesting person on this podcast right now to follow. So Trung, you have some good stuff too. I appreciate that, man. But uh, I, you know what? When uh, when Trevor drops his uh, thing, he's being hushed about. Hopefully, we can follow up with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. That'd be I'll amazing. Keep in touch. Guys, thank you so much, man. That was amazing. Sweet. Have a great evening. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Trung. How fucking wild was that, boys? All right. Let's get straight into the stuff from this week. Uh, I'm going to give a very high level on what happened with Celsius. Um, Jack's going to talk about Web Web 5 from Jack Dorsey. We're going to talk about Google AI situation. Um, so boys look it's been crypto crypto winter like very very hard it's all been pretty tough like the the telegram group people been sharing some funny memes and some funny um, stuff in there to keep us keep us alive but it's been pretty terrible Um, like we did a whole episode on bear market we saw Terra collapse go to zero which was an incredible like in a terrible way moment felt like layman brothers in crypto and celsius right now as of today's recording uh, which is tuesday it's still technically around um but let me just share the announcement from them and i'll, I'll explain what celsius is in a second as well so let me just share my screen um can you guys see that here from Celsius's tweet. So it says Celsius's network is pausing all withdrawals, swaps, and transfers between accounts. Acting in the interest of our community is our top priority. Our operations continue. We'll continue to share information with the community more here. All right. Obviously, this is blown stuff up. So a high level on what Celsius is. If you guys have heard of BlockFi, Nexo, or any of these platforms, Celsius is kind of the OG one from my understanding. They're a place where you can deposit your money, whether that's stable coins, ETH, Bitcoin, and a bunch of other crypto, and earn interest. And they were paying out, I think at the time, uh, 6% on ETH, which is actually higher than the staking rewards, which we can come to in a second when we talk about Lido, um, liquid staking. Um, but essentially it was a way for you to save your money in a place that you feel is quite secure I've used it in the past they have a really good app Um, every week you kind of see transparently how much money you get 
Now, the problem is, as we've talked about in the past, you have to think about where's this money coming from. And when it's 6%, not 700%, you feel like, okay, this feels like a, a stable-ish place. There's someone that I can speak to. I've emailed them in the past. They've they had a pretty good reputation uh, for a long time. Um, but what started happening since the terror situation, there were murmurings on the internet, and we've shared these threads with each other, where people are saying how exposed were Celsius, how exposed were BlockFi, um, and all these centralized players, right? And and the, they came out and said, well, we're not really that exposed. We're going to be fine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that was just the first kind of um, scratching the surface what people were worried about. Um, and long story short, people were doing these deep analyses of other stuff that they're exposed to, and people starting to see they were being a little degen with some of that money. So that's how they make their money, right? They take the deposits, they go and lend it out, they you know make 10% and give someone back 6%. That's how they're supposed to do it. Um, they also were VC backed, so they had a, they'd raised a bunch of money. So maybe some of the rewards will Dude, come from one them as of well. the largest investors was the Cana uh, the Quebec Pension Fund. That's yeah. wild. Wild. I think they That's put 400 million in their last round, and you know Canada has this conservative reputation, so it's like causing a bit of uh, a uh, consternation, a stir in Canada. It's like, yo, these nice guys. Well, let me be clear. Quebecois are very different than the rest of Canada, <laughs> as their multiple attempts at separating from the country have shown. But uh, it's uh, it's pretty. That's what I know about. I don't know much else. The one thing I want to add, Bilal, which you probably saw, uh was how confident the CEO of Celsius was even just a couple days ago before they suspended withdrawals from the platform. Did you guys see this tweet? Yeah, it's wild. He so, was kind of arguing with, with someone yeah, online, from, right? Yeah, uh, from Mike Dowdis, uh, on uh, Three days ago, so they suspended uh, withdrawals, I think uh, 36 hours ago, but like 72 hours ago, uh, Alex Mashinsky wrote, Mike, do you even know one person who has a problem withdrawing from Celsius? Why spread FUD and misinformation? Uh, so, man, these like, uh, same with uh, Doquan was so contentious on Twitter. It's like, whew, the, the clapbacks, man, the internet does not forget. Uh, one last thing I'll add is uh, I asked our friend John Wu, uh, head of growth from uh, uh, Aztec Network, uh, for the listeners that were here last week, he was breaking down the OpenSea situation. Great dude. Uh, I just asked him, uh, hey, give me a couple of lines on what happened. And <laughs> this was his answer. Uh, it goes, basically, people gave Celsius ETH, they staked it. Now people want their ETH back, and Celsius is like, oh shit, because you can't exactly. unstake the ETH for two years. So uh, that's, that's a great summary. And he, he did a great thread, I can share that in the, the show notes as well, where he goes through step by step, which we don't need to go through today. But that is kind of the crux of it. There was kind of two parts. If you've given them ETH, they were staking it. A lot of it seemed to be on Lido, which is like the biggest place where people do something called liquid staking. Now the problem is you can kind of do some stuff with that. But like you said, until the merge is complete and all that stuff, you're not going to be able to unstake that. So it's locked up. And now when people are t trying to get their money back, you're, you've got an issue. The second thing is they have had, like again, this is all alleged at the moment, so I don't know the full details. There's screenshots people are sharing from the blockchain where you can see that they're in certain pools on these big DeFi platforms like Curve, uh, Aave or whatever. Um, and you can see that they were basically buying on leverage essentially right like they're, they're leveraging all of their positions um degen i believe you said they're doing degen the, still some degen stuff exactly so that now like yeah so we don't have the time to go into every single part of it but the point being 
there's a bit of an issue here. So they sent an email to everyone and basically said, you're not gonna be able to take out your stuff. They didn't give even a timeline, right? And obviously this is one of the biggest players um, in the space. So it's had a negative impact on, on lots of, lots oh, of crypto. other things. Let's zoom out. Let's talk yeah, about exactly. crypto. So logic, Bitcoin right? and ETH have hit their lowest, you know, numbers They're down. since. So I'll give you the number. Uh, late Monday, so we're recording um, afternoon Tuesday, Late Monday, Bitcoin hit as low as 20,800, maybe even lower. Um, lowest since December 2020, down 70% all-time highs. Um, ETH is down 78% all-time highs when it hit the lowest point was at 1075. So let me uh, throw some questions just because Jack's been awfully silent. That portfolio is probably crushing him right now. Not too happy about it. But uh, the, the obviously the Celsius stuff, not helping. Uh Michael Saylor is under fire with MicroStrategy. Uh, he obviously borrowed uh, against uh, his Bitcoin holdings at MicroStrategy to buy more Bitcoin, which we've laughed about. But uh, he has a margin call where it's supposed to be more collateral at 21000 However, he put out a statement. He says, basically, they are confident and comfortable. Granted, this is coming from officially uh, from Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy. They said they can go down as low as 4000 if that's like the real, like that's the end, is basically how he's framing it. So, <laughs> I but, love uh, Jack's grin. I yeah. love Jack's grin. Well, I Jack, know exactly what that means. So there it is, <laughs> Jack. Everything. Oh, and Coinbase laid off eighteen percent of his workforce. So like, where the I, the whole this thing. This is the fud segment yeah, of the new crypto fud segment. Of <laughs> winter is coming. Uh, all this talk, Jack. Onto you. You've been awfully quiet. What do you want me to say, boys? I th I think the. Uh... I don't know the Terra thing. What I don't even know the Celsius product. Is there like a return? Is there like an APY built into that? Blah, like a promise yeah. return. Yeah, but it dependent on what crypto you've deposited. So they they had um, deposits. They also had loans, so you could borrow. You could you know keep your collateralized assets. Take a loan out on it. Actually, really pretty good rates um it was basically like DeFi, but a centralized version so there's a there's an app and an email address that you can email and stuff like that versus like you know using a metamask wallet um on one of those platforms so there was always risk like the old saying is not your keys not your coins or whatever and that's exactly what's happening here is if you didn't have full custody of it um you might be screwed right now we don't know the the finality of it yeah, I, f I feel like all of these products are like the corporatization of the protocol, right? It's like trying to build something on top of it. Then there's like some element of like phantom returns or like it's predicated on the market moving in a certain direction versus like what the protocol actually does. So I've never really like I played around with some of those things just to try and understand them, but always stop short of like putting a significant amount of money into them because I just don't have the conviction that what is being said can be fulfilled over the long term. Um, it's still like such a delicate dance between this thing being a like very nascent technology that enables like new technical experiments versus a place where you should park all of your or a massive portion of your wealth. And like, obviously we've talked at length about this, like our different positions or our different uh, 
abilities to allocate to it based on like where you're earning money. If you're like converting money from a, a like state currency into this and then experiencing it go down 80%, it's a very, very different experience than earning Ethereum and earning dollars and like siloing those two approaches off. I don't know. I don't know if we, we like, I, we'd have to catalog all the statements that we've made on the, on this podcast, but I think like the idea that like, I think some of the positioning of some of these protocols is irresponsible in a sense that it's like such a tiny market, right? It's, it's still an experimental thing to what you could see. You could also like say the opposite of that statement with how volatile um, like equity markets have been over the last couple of months. But I think what these things have in common is they kind of garner a different level of trust based on the messaging, based on the like allocation of huge funds. And I don't know, I think the, um, yeah, I, I, it always confused me where the yield is supposedly coming from. I think like the, the hopeful outcome of this stuff happening is like, you just go back to basics and like you have to build products, right? You have to build things that people will pay to use. And like Ethereum block space is a product. They sell, I don't know, 5 million bucks of it, 10 million bucks of it a day. Like, why do we need to build all these like brands and banks and shit on top and like have, well, you're essentially funding a hedge fund, you're, you're, yeah. right? Yeah. You're basically putting money with a hedge fund and thinking that they're going to outperform you versus what? like, I'm bet betting on like in two or three decades, the Ethereum, the Ethereum blockchain is powering like so many useful consumer applications useful or like a different version here, right? yeah, or a different version of the internet. And I've seen, like, I've been exposed to that in a way that a lot of people haven't like, yeah, I've definitely. like transacted on marketplaces that are native to Ethereum. It's not replacing my savings account. Like that's just not, I don't know. I think even for, even for somebody who's like very comfortable with a massive amount of risk, that side of it never, it always felt a little like I'm unsure how, um, yeah, this like, this is not an FDIC insured, uh, yeah, that's, situation, that's a key right? part of it. Yeah. If you're, if you've got your rent money in a, in a protocol like that, but again, I don't know who's where the responsibility lies. Like if, if there are like, it's obviously, I believe in personal responsibility. It's your responsibility. But at the same time, the messaging around this stuff is so, um, I don't know. It's so, it's that's the madness of the crowds, I guess. People kind yeah. of assume that, like, I think there's a, a bunch of examples been pointed to on Twitter in the last couple of weeks where people say like, hey, I've found this thing. Or I think that there could be, risk of these guys being beyond their obligations in a couple yeah. of weeks and just get, they just get laughed at or they just get like um, ignored versus like, I don't know, like I said before, the protocol itself is where the value, like where the L1 of value, if you'll excuse a pun is like, 
unless you can really demonstrate like what it is you're building on top of that and be transparent about where that value is coming from, I don't really understand so um, how you I, could attract an ungodly amount of capital. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. The only thing I would say is I'd point to some of our previous conversations about how the space will evolve and how basically we can't be expecting people to put a you know kettlebell with your with your with your keys that's on true. it underneath. So that's one level. Uh, and so I'd, I would argue that a BlockFi or a Celsius or a Nexo were creating that consumer-friendly UI essentially, um, which didn't really exist. Like a MetaMask wallet is not anywhere near well it, that's an opinion but for for my mum to sign up for an app and press a few buttons like she's used to doing and use face id is very different to an email address versus like hey type write down these things on a piece of paper and if there's a fire like you're kind of messed up so like that would be the, my only kind of rebuttal to that is that they that's the kind of value where they're trying to create is they there's this thing being created this actual utility driven DeFi uh, world or whatever you want to call it and they were giving access to people to some of those returns in a more user-friendly way but again the the risk was always um you know like they're not fdic insured um and, and you know that's basically the biggest one right and well, well, uh, they, let me rebuttal to you because i love your point i love where this has gone because and i love that you pointed out how we've talked about it before yeah. right because uh we have many hours of conversations <laughs> about the crypto space. Yeah. Um, my rebuttal to your rebuttal is kind of meeting the two in the middle. It's just uh, because you have to be the interface and you're building trust for retail investors like your mom, myself, right? I barely use as much as you guys do as far as like, you just have to be so responsible. You have to be so good and and don't get over your skis. And like, 100%. Right? It's like, I don't, again, I don't know. Did these people put it into D-Gen stuff? Like, were they massively leveraged and trying to make just a little bit of a spread for themselves or more than they should have? I guess we'll find out. Uh, and there's suggestions that that is the case. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're, to your point, you're trying to onboard people. And this is why Coinbase, after everything that's gone on with them, there's a lot. They, they admitted themselves. We overestimated by quite a bit, like uh, how much runway we had, right? And uh, as like, a company in kind of this bull market and they've had to make some big cuts and obviously they've rescinded offers which is a man below you worked in big tech rescinding an offer that, to a big tech engineer is like unheard that of, doesn't right? happen right yeah yeah it, it like, could be like oh we have a hiring freeze but and we're not going to hire new people right if you've made an offer that that person might have moved moved across yes. the country like there's a lot of things that have happened i saw they pulled three hundred thousand uh offers for like product managers and like they have to like now what they're trying to do as recompense to your point is like they're giving their lawyers to people that were going to come to the United States right on visas and can't do that's that that's wild yeah, yeah that's so sad, like, man. there's a lot of negative here like but like uh, what I will say about Coinbase is that they obviously spent a lot of time trying to interface with regulators right like that was kind of the entire pitch from the beginning for Brian Armstrong and uh, I don't know if they've kept that pace or if they're still on that exact track that they've uh, kind of set out the case with they're going to be the interface with the crypto world and like the existing financial political system. But I'll just tie a bow on this by saying to Jack's point is like, yes, there's personal responsibility, but the messaging, man, like, like you gotta, you just- They didn't stay true to their promises. Yes. Like their one line was that unbank yourself, always have access to your coins. 
but in so many words, right? right? So don't try suing me for saying the wrong phrase, Celsius. But from what I've read, that was one of the, you know, they did the, the memes of like how it started, how it's going. And it yeah. was like, oh, we're promising this, whatever. And now the email of you can't take your money out. So I completely agree with, I actually agree with what Jack's saying as well and what you're saying. Um, I just would say that like there are legitimate reasons to create a better experience for people that like Coinbase is another example. You can go on a decentralized exchange and use like these native platforms and buy and sell different things on there, but they're not as user-friendly as logging into Coinbase and they don't have all the legal things set up, right? Which we're going to- Whereas Coinbase, as we've talked about, is also doing stuff with their reputation that are not great in terms of listings, right? Yeah. They're listing a lot of very questionable coins. Um, So let me me throw this in, because I saw it in the Telegram chat. So why don't we- put a bow on the crypto winter with this one how do you guys feel oh, okay first of all are you hodling that's the first question that we saw in telegram chat yeah. number two is how are we feeling about eth btc 10 years from now like what's changed if anything so uh, uh blah why don't we go with you first yeah i mean the the honest answer is yes i am still hodling unfortunately but uh, i based well unfortunately slash fortunately because i'm sticking to the same thing i said six years ago whenever i bought the bought for the first time and i yeah it's always really shit when things drop 80 percent of course but it's not the first time that's happened and secondly i we literally did this on the podcast and i i said oh i expect it to go down 80 percent minimum right and I, that's not me that's like if you just look at the numbers that's what's happened in the past previous bear markets yeah 80 to 98 percent depending on what you're looking at right and for me bitcoin ethereum i've always uh, to me that is my bet in on crypto and i don't think crypto overall is disappearing overnight i just think the price is not necessarily reflective of uh, what will be built potentially you could also say the hype of what happened in the last few in the last year wasn't reflective of what was built either right it was overpriced so that to me i'm not trying to separate like what is actually being built what is a long-term thesis is this going to be a new version of the internet or like are there at least going to be decentralized money uh, and you know all the hundred of things we've talked about on the podcast we, none of us know the answer to that it could all have been a complete hype right but that all the things i've now learned over the last two years uh trying to take away the the hype parts i still think there's something there obviously and for that reason i've stayed true to my original uh plan i did look at my finances and say do i need this right now do i am i buying a house like you know like jack we talked about it with the clicks to bricks and i have a few friends that thankfully sold uh you know in q4 because they needed to buy a house or whatever so i think like that forced kind of liquidation so to speak is maybe a blessing in disguise for some people for me it was i'm i'm okay with sticking to what i originally thought i did sell um a lot of like those shit coins and i did unstake myself i did put stuff in cold storage like that sort of stuff um and i kind of knew through that time like a lot of this stuff i know will probably go to zero and it was part of the budget like the percentage allocated was was proportionate for that reason um so yeah it's still really shit but i am at the moment still hodling until i really need to change like my life circumstances change then maybe that that will change but but it sounds like you set up in such a situation like it was responsible in the sense that you had a very clear bucket where you're gonna go degen yeah i mean responsible is maybe a bit of a stretch by this point but (laughs) but i think it's more like at least thought through and 
I thought many times like, okay, is this getting too big a percentage? And it probably did in, in hindsight, but that was also because things grew so much, right? And um, and I, even at the height of last year, I was like, okay, I'm still gonna keep this for another five years. So that's the plan. And if it goes down to zero, then I have to live with the consequences. Um, and we'll get into this in an AMA we're gonna do for you guys. But one of the questions was, how has it changed today? Like, what are you, your actions? And there have been quite a few changes, even on my side, like the focus uh, for me anyway. Jack? I got, I got, I mean, you know, the, the clicks to bricks story, which was a huge catalyst, not just for like, um, buying the house, but also like some forward insulation financially. Um, but I like part, a few of the NFT communities I've been a part of, I've been talking about this for a while, like, what all the catalysts are as soon as like the terror collapse, like we're, we're all like trading on narratives ultimately, right? Like these are risk on assets and the story is like reasonably bleak right now for a, uh, you know, it's going to take a, a period of time for that to recover. And I didn't really like, although I held through the last cycle, it was a very different time in my life. Like I had a, um, full-time job at the time. So I was like, oh, that was, it's really interesting to experience two cycles from two different perspectives. One where you're like, oh, I guess that's fade. I guess that's like fading away to zero and I won't have to think about it again versus a cycle that you participate in. You build things natively in, you meet people who are in the space who understand it much better than you do. Who you talk about it on a podcast every week. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Been through it three or four times and like, my level of conviction is way higher this time around than it was the last time. And I didn't sell last time because I was like, well, I'm in this at this point. It's like, it's not, it's not life-changing amounts of money to the point where you have like, you know, you change the directory of your, of your family's life. It's like, maybe you live a little nicer for a couple of years, but it's not like, you know, exorbitant sums of money. And um, that's still reasonably true relative to like business income it's not like you know it's not like you could go and like live and never think about work again so that's like my frame for it is it still has this outsized um there's this outsized upside that still exists um and having more exposure to the ecosystem i think is like uh just adds to my conviction that like the the base layer of it is valuable and there are like, we've just run these consecutive experiments on top of it. And it's almost, uh, it's almost a guarantee that the volatility of it gets more intense with time because like you're attracting more participants, like there's more madness, like the, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I think like DeFi participants versus NFT participants, I think that's like a, that's like an order of magnitude difference. Am so I, am I right in saying that? I don't know. The that NFT more? markets, like the no, NFT markets are that much more, like had that much more consumer adoption that or that many right. more new entrants. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't I don't. So it feels to me know. like each, each one of these cycles, there is like catalysts for more, like more people each time, which is going to result in these much crazier movements. And I like that. I definitely 
regret certain moments looking back and being like, this is obviously unsustainable and mental, right? Like this yeah, is just yeah. way, there's no way this is operating from like, Hey, we're extrapolating future cash flows from this thing. It's like, we're in the middle of this, like the most novelty, wild, outrageous thing. And I made some moves as a result of coming to that conclusion but not as many as I probably should have. Jack, I don't know very many people that timed the bottom and the top as well as you did, dude. And let's be honest here. Well, I think that's another interesting thing is like hindsight 2020. Sure. Uh, like, but your instincts you know, were right though. Yeah, I, th I think... Um, yeah, I think, I think it's really like fascinating to project out and how different how different you can feel about um you can feel about the types of people that stick around each time like i think um it's really easy to now see from each cycle i've been like adjacent to the first one i didn't even know where to begin building anything in crypto or talking about crypto or knowing anything about it i right? just like someone texts me is like Have you heard about bitcoin i was like oh numbers going up i'll get a little bit of that right that was my first intro to it and then just number went down significantly and with that like trailed my interest at the time but when you get to the the second time around you just think about what what it's up against like as a product as a idea the thesis hasn't changed at all and like this is not happening in a vacuum either like what's the like the global like loss of wealth in the last couple of months like it, yeah it's, it's all it's relative just, to everything else crypto as well right it's literally every asset with maybe it's, the exception of real estate and that might not be for too long either who knows so it's uh versus like 2018 or 2017 18 like yeah the things might have dipped slightly I, I don't think they did actually like if you look at s&p 500 i think it pretty much just kept going um, versus now that we've had a global pandemic, record levels of inflation, interest rates going up. You know, there's actually a real logic for why there's been a squeeze across the board. And crypto in this case is the most, you know, on the curve, like in terms of risk. And uh, another thing Trunks mentioned before, which is um, the amount of leverage that's used in this space as well, right? And that's what we're seeing, the cascading nature of when something goes down and Celsius needs to liquidate something, and that is a huge chunk of money that then sells even yeah. more. And we might see more with MicroStrategy, with, who, who knows, um, on the Bitcoin side. Uh, we'll have to ask him at some point. But yeah, there's, a <laughs> there's, there's just like a, it's just like a very different level of, you know, like the, the industry is a lot younger. Um, and there aren't as many rules. So there's just the amount of things going up and down is, is drastically different. Yeah, it's kind of like, imagine if you were betting like your net worth on one business. Like, I think it's no different than that at the scale it's at. I mean, it's smaller than like Ethereum and Bitcoin have a smaller market cap than Apple, right? Is that accurate to say? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it is. It is. It's about yeah. half. Just about, so if I was yeah. like, But so I know I people like, that are all in on Apple, right? Like, uh, and yeah, like, but it's I'm not sure. their checking account though. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's an interesting, uh, right. like, parallel thought is like, yeah, we built, like, I think that's where, like, these products that do position themselves as, like, alternatives to savings accounts and use language that's, like, 
parallel with some of that stuff. It's like, there's, we know you could look at one chart and be like, if my savings account looked like that chart, I wouldn't be having a good time. Right. <laughs> I think that's, that's I love the and, way you describe it. The, the, yeah. the incentive for me to say, to position it that way and to market it that way is obviously high. Yeah. But I think like more broadly zooming out, like what this technology represents, like um, this is part of my objective as a visual communicator is to, and this is like, maybe this would be a nice segue to the web five thing is like, you have to start to articulate um, the, the different models at play, right. Or the different, like what is fundamentally different about this technology and inspiring people to build around that in the same way that the internet initially became this, uh, you know, was looked at in its early days as this thing for like reading emails or looking up information. And now it's like this massive economic machine. Um, it's just a very, there's a very delicate balance. Cause I think people are trying to build with build products that have this like certainty element to them when the technology is kind of too nascent to make some of those promises. Um, and maybe, um, maybe if some of those products were positioned differently, like some of the, uh, you know, like a USDC, for example, like I've had amazing experiences with like off ramps on ramps. I don't know if you guys use angel list, but you can like, you can invest with USDC on angel list now. So like there are like these little integrations happening where way this like a tangible yeah. uh, benefit versus like waiting five days for it to go from one place to another on the yeah. phone with your, with your bank. You like, you do it in a few minutes. Yeah. Like USDC on Ethereum is like the most amazing money product in the world. In my opinion, like it's incredible like that. And that like, that could be, in itself, like a single feature product, yeah. right? But I don't know that like it, someone's, so I read a tweet the other day. I haven't, uh, I don't know who to attribute it to, but it said like most of these crypto funds are just like sophisticated moon boys, <laughs> which I thought was like a class <laughs> way to phrase. frame it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's this weird, like chicken and egg, like, Thankfully, we're not in a position where we're trying to get people to buy into a fund that re like requires us to like, well, not requires us to incentivizes us to generate a return. Like a lot of these, um, like this, the, it's the good and the bad of the permissionless markets. I think when like it allows like a bunch of innovation to happen really quickly, but it also allows like outsized number of bad experiments to be run that create huge ripples and bad narratives. Um, but the, the long-term bet is that like the fundamental technical components are going to lead to way more valuable and useful products. And just like think about the infrastructure of just moving value around that is like every part of the global economy if you're stripping out friction from the process of value moving around, you're like, that's one of the most valuable pursuits yeah. there is. Right. Yeah. And I think that is the, the deep down, that's the thesis that I believe in, but there's huge amounts of incentives to like act, um, to guess, I guess right now it's like, we, you know, Adam Newman territory in some cases and what's, uh, Elizabeth Holmes. It's like, 
there's a really fine line between um, making a prediction and speaking with conviction and building products and things outside of your control that you shouldn't be making promises about, right? Yeah. That's, a, Jack, that's about as accurate as I can say it. Yeah, I just wanted to say the summary from what you said there and from just to wrap a bow on it. Um, the way I see it is all of this stuff, all this crypto stuff, there's two reasons it has gone up over time. One is utility, like actually creating stuff. Two is speculation based on hype and a story and a meme like we've talked about since the episode zero. The question has always been what proportion is it on the pie like is it 10% hype and 90% utility or the other way around I would argue it's probably the other way around in most cases uh, maybe Bitcoin Ethereum is closer to like 60-40 or something um, and now I, and so like your example there saying like taking friction away there's a clear utility there I 100% agree with in the same way I agree that Apple Google Amazon and 100 other companies are amazing companies the question is always though the second question I ask is how much is, is that worth though and the valuation part is kind of where I think the market is deciding right now um, and th so th long term yeah the idea to answer your question Trunk the ideas I don't necessarily think have changed um, but you, I have to divorce that from actual valuation and me putting a significant percentage of my own money into uh, into it as an investment. Um, so yeah, let me Trump, let me ask you. Yeah, answer my, I'll answer it then. My, yeah, I was going to ask you. because I've been like everybody <laughs> on this call and listening clapped really hard. I probably had more <laughs> that I ended up putting more into crypto after like literally from this podcast when we started from zero with you Completely. guys moving in. I probably put it up to a higher percentage than it should have been. Having said that, from the beginning, because I've been through a couple of cycles where I got spooked like as an equity investor and sold when I shouldn't have, I'm just like, I knew that I was going to hold. So it's June 14th when we're recording this. I still haven't looked at my actual portfolio this year. I know That's very smart. <laughs> I know there's damage, but a significant damage. I just don't know what the number is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, in yeah. my mind, there's like a band. I know it's in a band. It's massive. It's probably more than 50% to be- That's a little flex there from Trung. Yeah. It's massive, yeah? All right. No, 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 not massive by <laughs> dollar joking, terms. I'm joking, I'm In a percentage term. It's like in the around. negative way. In percentage No, term. I get you, I get you, man. No, I feel, and that's exactly what I, I was just saying this this morning. You know, once you get a certain uh, amount of money, essentially, a 20% drop is a, is a significant amount of money, right? Or a 10% drop. And for me, it's probably way more because I was you know, probably overexposed to this stuff. So anyway, I think we can wrap that up. But great, great question there, Trung, to, to get a good discussion going. Um, I think we can probably wrap up real quick with Jack. Do you want to talk through um, high level on the on the Web5 stuff? So Jack Dorsey announced this. Um, do either of you want to give a summary? And I know, Jack, you had some thoughts on kind of like why you think it should be positioned in a different way. Well, I can just like i will first give a disclaimer that like i read that document and i'm like i have no real idea like what is being described here from a technical perspective yeah. right yeah, i don't fair. know how this is going to work i don't know um like and i've spent years trying to understand and simplify this stuff and maybe i'm an outlier and everybody else is reading that document they're like oh no exactly how this is going to work and i think just my like the broader commentary on it is like, why, like Jack Dorsey is such a 
amazing consumer product brain, right? Like Square, Twitter, Cash App, like um, incredible products. Why is there not a like vision of this implemented? You know, like, and I, I understand uh, yeah. that, uh, like, I understand that maybe the vision is that the consumer product wouldn't look any different. It's just the guts of it that would function differently on like, uh, you know, a, uh, like your identity is attached to your Bitcoin address and you can port data in and out. I, like my understanding of what it accomplishes is the same argument that is made for web three, which is you take your data with you and apps like tap into that and you control permissions. Um, and we speculated yeah. on it middle of last year with the, like Jay-Z, um, square culture, all of this, the idea of like, they understand that cultural capital is a real thing and like building the infrastructure for that on a, what they, well, Bitcoin as this like permissionless network that, um, you can own like actually own your keys and you own the property that those keys have access to it's adding an identity layer to that. My, my like immediate questions are like, how do you execute that on a, like at speed? Because and, even like, even Jack, Ethereum to, transactions. Can I just on. say, sorry to cut you off, mate. I just want to make, because if someone's never even seen what it is, it, it, you were alluding to it there, but essentially a lot of what I could see in the doc they shared was, it sounds a lot like Ethereum, but based on Bitcoin as a layer one, right? Yeah, is that uh, they, what you guys got from it too? Yeah, I think the like they're calling it. Um, they reference the technology. Let me have a look. An extra like decentralized web platform is the tweet they shared. I'll just share a a quick like this was the uh, the announcement tweet, and then it is hilarious that they called it extra. Extra, yeah, it's pretty hilarious. And it's hilarious. It's a Google Doc. That that was another thing. So the web, very web two, but understandably that's what people are going to use right now. So there's a whole deck in here. Again, we're not going to go for every single thing. We can share that out so people, or you can just Google it. You can check this on their Twitter. Um, but this was probably one of my favorite things. It's kind of dependent on what, kind of similar to what you were just saying there. Jack, our boy, Mike Dowder said, congrats, Jack, you've imagined the world of Ethereum applications. Um, because this, like when I read this, it says control your identity, Alice holds a digital wallet. Essentially saying Alice, this uh, scenario, Alice can take her identity with her uh, using a wallet, which is something we've talked about on the show before with Ethereum login, right? Is the kind of idea we explored. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. I just want to make sure that if, if someone didn't know that already, we kind of addressed it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I think the like the big tension between the Bitcoin and Ethereum communities and why like there's like a difference in philosophy around uh, how these ideas are implemented, not necessarily how they work or what they're accomplishing, but maybe the nuance is like people don't feel as though uh, you know, the, like the Bitcoin community celebrated this announcement after like two or three years of like shitting on the same functionality because yeah. it was built with a different philosophy. So it's yeah. like, it's the philosophy that people are bought into versus like the way it comes, the way it's brought to market. And I think the common, I don't know enough, we need to get somebody on to talk about this, but like the, the, why don't you guys should definitely do that for next episode. 
Do you want me to hit up that guy? Uh, or we could we could try. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, chat about somebody after, to yeah. basically explain, explain like in detail. people people who look at Ethereum as like a security, right? Where there's like people that have huge amounts of equity and um, it was launched in a way that people don't believe is like as equitable as Bitcoin. That's how I understand. Yeah, they, the his issue. rebuttal is it's not as decentralized because once upon a time they reversed, you know, transaction right. and uh, yeah. whatever, which is, a, you know, maybe a fair argument. A fair point. Yeah. A fair and point. Bitcoin and, and is probably more decentralized if you kind of plot it out on a graph. Yeah. And, the, and I think the like the other interesting thing uh, is the speed at which, you know, people are trying to build L2s on Ethereum to fix like speed issues. And Ethereum generates a block every 15 seconds. Bitcoin is every 15 minutes. So like using a web app, I again am like not technically qualified to talk about this, but that's the gap that I want to understand better. It's like, we're going to do this mm. decentralized open standard and Bitcoin is, is secure based on the fact that, you know, you have all this distributed computing power, but that also means it moves reasonably slowly. So again, I don't, I don't have the technical understanding. Um, the other critique I've seen of this is like, isn't that the blue sky protocol that's been attempted to be worked on at Twitter over the last, uh, <laughs> however long. He just literally took that deck reskinned it for a uh, block <laughs> and uh let me let me actually add uh something that jack or jack has been talking about and i think it's very salient to this point uh jack you've mentioned in the past how ethereum just has way more narrative momentum behind it right mm -hmm. because these the the the, the so-called uh north star for bitcoins <laughs> been achieved which is its digital gold being tested right now but yeah. uh but What's I love the laugh, sir. I was just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just were like, like you, you had to laugh as you said that comment because of digital gold. Yeah, it's being tested right now. Yeah. Um, Web five, I think, is similar in vain, and and we so listeners, we and viewers, we will go deep on these with actual pros. I think Lightning Network is a very interesting thing. Uh, Lightning and TBD, this this project Web five, are kind of bringing that narrative stuff back, right? And um, that is what I'd be really interested in teasing out in the future. But the last thing I'd add, and I totally agree with you on this, is Jack Dorsey is such a consumer genius. They're releasing a Google Doc. Like, you're right. This should have been an app. How is this not an app that's already released, right? Or even Google just mock-ups of all the different applications yeah. of it, right? Where it's like, this is how it would work on Tidal. This is how it would work on totally. this thing. This is how it would work in yeah. this context. It's all conceptual. And again, like that this is where the problem is because if it is this new standard, the app doesn't look any different, right? It's just, you have to, you're trying to convince people of the philosophy by showing them a flow chart. And we're already like at the saturation point of <laughs> people that line, care right? about flow charts, right? We're like, that's done. Like everybody that like <laughs> in the market today, at least like maybe, you know, again, these are visionary people. So 10, 20, like kids in school right now, maybe are looking at that chart. And that's the version of the internet that I want to build on, which incredible if that becomes the case. Okay. And right. I'm like, uh, like, let me, I have a dog in both fights here. So I'm not, I'm not in one camp or the other, but the things that this like internet, the things that enable an internet native economy, permissionless value exchange, all of those good things, like, Whichever horse wins that race, I'm all for it. Um, I think 
The other big point that we didn't mention is like the narrative that Jack's going up against is the token narrative. Like there is no token, right? Yeah, We're not that's doing, a key point. The, there is no token you can buy today that is going to get you the upside of this thing, which is obviously a conscious decision. They, they talked about that. Again, going back to the philosophy point, like that is a way, that, that's the narrative that Ethereum is fighting against right now, right? And we've talked about at length on this podcast, it's like the incentive structure that come with like being able to like pull liquidity out of the market in like 15 minutes by making a promise that you might not have necessarily fulfilled on because of like the, the amount of desire to speculate and the infrastructure that's been built to speculate is very different than, hey, we're going to build this identity protocol on Bitcoin. And the only thing you can do to speculate on the growth of this thing is buy Bitcoin and build native apps on this identity protocol, which again, very like simple and compelling narrative. I just don't have the technical understanding to know how long it's going to take for that to become a like, I mean, I don't even know if the applications would compete with Ethereum. Like the applications they're talking about are like title playlists. Um, I can't remember what else is in the document. And, and maybe that's like kind of the, the, um, the, you know, feature, not a bug. Like it's not, uh, you know, if you create a, like a culture around like the token, the token issuance thing, then Obviously, you put sugar on the floor. You what was it the Charlie Munger thing? If you want ants to come, put sugar on the floor. See yeah, that like idea. Like yeah. that's yeah. where you get like come rocket and Shiba Inu token <laughs> and all this stuff from. Because yeah. again, we talked about the John McCain Obama O's thing. Like the you raise seventy five million dollars in a day, and then you're just like, oh, if I'm anonymous, the best thing I could do is just do it's another just one of crap. those. Yeah. Just, just cash out and I'll go and do another one. And, and that like has encouraged an awful lot of terrible behavior, but, and I don't know if that's going to change. Like it, people talking about regulation. We talked about the Nate thing last week, which is like, maybe people just like self-regulate if there are examples out there of just like people getting hammered for, um, fraud as john described it which i think was a great frame if you haven't listened to that episode go back is it one or two well, we last spoke to john last episode i think that is like another foundational conversation to be had where this is the maybe the i'm thinking about this in real time now maybe like the protocol that jack is suggesting like there's way less incentive for you to like build a ponzi scheme in that environment when you don't have the ability to create an asset and suck liquidity from the market using that device. So I get like, I, I really understand the philosophical differences. I think the question becomes like, which incentive is pulling in amazing talent to build stuff. And of the hundred like experiments that happen on Ethereum, you could almost equate it to like the experience that happened when people start businesses in the real world. There's like 90% of them just fail, but perhaps the culture around that is different because um, you're not in this like 24 seven, like yeah. casino environment where liquidity is just like flowing around everywhere. So it's building versus betting. That's what it is, right? If you're an entrepreneur, it's very different than a uh, yes. number to go up. 
Yes. And yeah, we'll like, yeah, I would, I would, uh, like I said, I would love for that behavior to reduce in the ecosystem, in the Ethereum ecosystem or for like a flourishing ecosystem to begin in, uh, in Bitcoin. But I think a lot of, even what gets people to start technology companies is this idea of astronomical upside. Right. And, and all of this stuff is also tied to the macro narrative of the asset itself. So, and the other uh, thing is, Jack, I guess the, the he's basically betting on people care enough about decentralization and these other kind of religious ideas almost uh, i don't want to say they're just religious but you know like if you speak to a bitcoin maxi anyway like they'd really go on about about that part which obviously I, I care about decentralization too but maybe not at the same extent as a bitcoin maxi and i feel like the incentive part you just mentioned there with ethereum has its own problems uh, as you described but it also has the the positive side as you described all right boys that was a great episode thanks for joining us again let us know what you think about this in the comments below on youtube and uh, we will see you again next week cheers <laughs>